0: I'm Will Hedrick, and this is Dog Years and Timestamps, a book club podcast. Today, we're talking about the second book of the novel Dune, uh, Muad'Dib, as how I'm uh, going to pronounce it. I still don't know exactly how you should pronounce it. The movie hasn't come out yet, and Jordan isn't here to correct me. So that's what we're going with, Muad'Dib. It's about a 100 and... What was it that we read? Maybe about like 165, 180 pages, somewhere in between there. It's... uh, Definitely a lot more going on now. Where did we leave off last time, right? We left off with everything, the catalyst of having happened, right? We've got, uh, what was his name? The Duke Atreides uh, Leto was his first name, I believe. He's dead now. Uh, Paul and Jessica, his mother, are out there in the desert trying to figure out what to do. Uh, how are they going to survive? Where are they going to go? What are they going to do? Uh, we don't really know what's going to happen with the story. Paul's like God now or whatever. He can see the future, whatever that's supposed to be. It's um but now, having gotten through everything that we've read, I think things are a little bit more clear. I think we can see more of what's going to happen. We spend some time with the Faed Routha character, the Duke Harkonnen's nephew, second nephew, and heir apparent only a couple of chapters and you know we find out you know that he's just a villain or whatever Uh, we don't really know anything about him just yet except that he's being set up to be Paul's nemesis or rival or whatever you want to call it right I don't know that we really know anything else about our enemies except that they are our enemies uh, which you know you need an enemy to have a story, I guess. But like I said before, it's it, you know it's annoying when that's all that there is to it. Hopefully we get more of it. There's like 8 million books, right? So we ought to get something at some point. The most pressing matter at this point is uh, Paul and Jessica moving into the Fremen uh, society, which they end up doing by the end of this section. Um, almost immediately after they are found by the... Freeman troop that kynes had sent to look for them there there's you know an immediate trial one of the freemen doesn't believe anything that's going on wants to challenge Jessica and if you know Jessica is the you know the prophesied uh you know mother of lisan al gaib or however you pronounce that word, <laughs> then she'll have a champion or whatever that's what the legend says, and the champion ends up being Paul Paul kills the guy, and they get accepted right the way that ideas get presented to us so far in this book is disjointed and obnoxious to try and follow. There's all this time spent building up the Saudachar, which are the like elite troops of the emperor. They're there to help the Harkonnens overthrow the Atreides there on Erecus, right? And, They're supposed to be this insane elite force and the whole universe fears them and all this sort of thing. But the freemen are able to very, very handily dispatch them, except when severely outnumbered. So then, you know, it lets us think, oh, yeah, so the freemen are extremely capable. Great. That's fine. Uh, That's why uh, Leto Atreides wanted to bring them over to his side so that they because he knew the Harkonnens were going to try and betray him or blah, blah, blah. But then Paul is able to best one of their better fighters with little to no effort, so much so that because of his shield training uh, making him not immediately as effective as he would need to be without a shield, the rest of the frame are like, oh, he's toying with his opponent, you know. So so why were they afraid he's scared? I guess that Paul is also special in a way because he's going through Mintat training or was, you know, prior to his dislocation, but I don't know. It's like, he's God now too, so he can see the future and he understands time and existence. So I guess that could be part of why he's so much better, but he had even Jessica, whenever they're about to go in, whenever Paul's about to go into this, you know, contest with Jameis, the Freeman who challenges, she thinks he'll be able to take him. Uh, because he's got all this training, he's not like anything they've ever seen before. Without even, you know, at least in her inner monologue, she doesn't take into account his you know, his prescience, his, you know, uh, the, the abilities that he now has unlocked within him since whatever it is that happened, happened. And so, like, what is it that I believe? How strong are the Sadokar? They don't seem like they're that fucking strong now, all things considered, all things that we've been through. So why did we waste time thinking that they were the most powerful force out there? Um, you know, maybe by actual numbers, and technology and all the things that you know come next to them, sure we can still believe that, but does it matter it doesn't seem like it fucking matters to me the another thing that's irritating to me we end a lot of chapters on needless cliffhangers uh, most recently there's a cliffhanger kind of although it's a very hollow one even in the moment where Paul and Jessica having come back with the Freeman to their <laughs> their siege their home paul meets Jameis's, you know now widow um goes to the cultural rites of you know will you take her as your wife or as a servant and or you know let her make her own choice or whatever blah, blah blah he meets the children who take to him immediately or whatever because they believe that he's the savior because there's the messianic you know legend within the freeman people which apparently is real as well we'll get to that in a second The chapter ends uh, with the, you know, Paul looking at the two boys and seeing they have, you know, their own little Chris knives with them. You know, he he thinks, right, the Freeman children are probably just as dangerous as, you know, adult Freeman. And so what's that cliffhanger that he's now got to be wary about these children or he's going to we're going to come back to him in a minute and find that he's fought these. children like, what is that cliffhanger? What's the point of that? It happens several times throughout this book. It's not every chapter, but it's a lot of chapters that we get these weird cliffhangers where somebody thinks, oh, that's dangerous and I should be considering that right now. The thing that we are being cliff-hung upon ends up being nothing or there's a full-on time skip uh, so that we can see that it mattered so little that we didn't even need to experience it mattering so little. Uh, It's weird. I don't get it. These are odd things that you would expect an editor to be like, hey, fix that. <laughs> but I don't know the environment in which this was written. I don't know the constraints in which this was written. Was there an editor? I don't know. Uh, I haven't looked into that sort of stuff for this book. But there's just these odd little choices in the writing that bother me. And I find to be annoying, irritating, a little subpar, to be totally honest. I'm still annoyed that. One of the main ways that we are, you know, being told that the Baron Harkonnen is a bad guy is his uh, preference for underage boys in a sexual manner. Um, That was the homophobia thing that I talked about last week that, you know, not straightforward homophobia, but, you know, whenever you have a villain and you need the audience to know that's a villain. You know, the 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 stereotypical thing to do is have them kill a dog, right? Like that's how if you've got a stupid action movie going on that doesn't really have a story. The point of the movie is action, and that's all it wants to do. What do you do to make the villain a villain? You make them do something terrible so that everybody sits there and says, okay, that's the bad guy. Now I know where we stand. And that works in a lot of situations. Look at John Wick. Spectacular action movie. And so in this scenario where we have no reason to care about the Harkonnens, except that we're being told they're the enemy. In the buildup of why this character is the bad guy, they spend at least two or three different occasions highlighting that he's into young boys. And that is one of the... And that's the most despicable thing about him, right? So it's not just the pedophilia, but also that it's homosexual in nature and for that to be presented as a reason that somebody is evil is homophobic and uh they just keep talking about it they keep bringing it up i don't see why it matters at all if it wasn't the first thing that they led with for telling us why this was an evil character then maybe it would stand out less to me but like i said when when you've got a when you've got a villain that is a villain because we need a villain And not because we're going to go into, you know, complex origin stories or even like medium level thought processes of why somebody is against our protagonist. If all you're going to do is just say, this is a villain, deal with it. What you do to illustrate that is provide reasons for us to know that they're a bad guy without the author literally taking out of the story and saying, this is the bad guy, guys, just so you know. And. And so they present that as the reason. And that's stupid. You know, it's worse than stupid, but that's just just all I can say at the moment. Uh, They keep talking about it. Like I said, it's happened at least three times that I can remember off the top of my head. That they just keep bringing it up. That he's in the young men. So, you know, whatever. There's a problem that I have with the book. The best parts of the book, though, are with Paul uh, and Jessica. Certainly not that they're with the Freeman, is, that's the most enjoyable part so far. Anytime that we deal with any of the other characters, I really don't give a shit. I'm starting to worry that maybe we're getting to the overcomplicated angle, uh, where we're going to just make this whole story way too much because we don't know how to focus. It is my impression so far. I could be entirely wrong. I still got a quarter of this book to read, less than that and then obviously the rest of the series so you know maybe i'm just jumping to negative conclusions because of my current experience but you know so far aside from the novelty of this concept and some of the ideas within this book i really don't get why this is as popular as it is so far ideas about the world are very cool Uh, some of the concepts like I mentioned are very interesting to think about engaging even sometimes but I don't get it yet I just don't get it yet and that's okay I don't have to get it yet I still got some of the book to finish and then we've got the movie you know maybe the movie shows a different angle on the story that I just haven't seen yet and uh, kind of brings me back around we'll find out I guess for now I'm going to take a break for sponsor and we'll come back and uh, talk some more about you know how the religion is actually real even though we know it's fake (laughs) we'll see so I've talked about in the last episode how the Bene Gesserits who Jessica you know is a student and member of are sort of like the Illuminati or whatever you know it would be our like equivalent idea of a shadow organization that's you know behind the scenes, pulling the strings, making moves, uh, dictating the course of the humanity. They are doing it primarily through selective breeding. It seems like they're also like the psychic warriors or whatever it is that we want to call them. Their primary thing is the selective breeding. They send out their you know priestesses to become concubines and wives and things like that to preserve bloodlines uh, and to kind of just shape the course of humanity in a way that whatever their directive is, I don't know what their directive is yet. I don't think we're supposed to know, to be fair. But they talk about preserving specific bloodlines. There is a decent amount of time put into describing physical traits of the different noble bloodlines as identifying you know, who they are and why it is that their bloodline must be preserved from the standpoint of the Bene Gesserit church or organization, whatever they are. But then they also sort of believe in something that we haven't been told what it is yet. Uh, Paul is supposed to be the Kwisatz Hazarach or whatever uh, that word or, you know, title is, which is like the the first male Bene Gesserit, if I remember what the, if I remember what like the, the reverend mother who puts Paul through the trial in the first you know, chapter of the book said correctly is, is something like that, you know, like he's the first one to not the first one to pass that test, but the first male that would be able to take in all the teachings of the Ben Gesserit and be able to utilize them and would usher them into a new era. It's a legend amongst the Ben Gesserit who have a fake religion, who are a fake religion, who instill fake religions across the universe for their greater goal, whatever it is. And yet they believe in whatever this Quizatz Haderach thing is. You know, it's like it's it's a prophecy amongst them that they're looking for. So that's confusing. Uh, You know, as as you know, uh, I'm just going to relate this to myself because what else can you do as a reader? As an atheist, I don't also believe in something that is, you know, spiritual in any way. You know, I I don't. You know, as somebody that practices (laughs) a belief in science and not the supernatural i don't then also sit there and think but i'm waiting for the messiah that isn't that's you know those two things don't go together they're inherently combative towards each other but the bene gesserits do it whatever right and and then the the other component of that is you know the 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 portion of the religion that has been planted on ericus planted with these people, the Freeman people throughout their journey is very obviously something planted by the Bene Gesserits in their, uh, what's the the directive protectivia or something I think is what they call it, uh, you know, their what they title their mission, but the ritual that Jessica goes through at the end of this section of reading to become the reverend mother of this Freeman troop or clan or whatever the phrase is that they use to describe this, you know, th- this amount of Fremen people. <laughs> the the, the rite that she goes through takes her through this bizarre supernatural experience. She takes a drug, right? Which is something that comes from the sandworms. You know, that's another revelation that we're in the middle of getting. And that part's actually kind of interesting. I like the secrecy of what the Fremen people are actually doing. I think that part is intriguing. Uh, but it's a this drug that like makes her super aware of herself to the point where she can sort of like go within herself as a molecule they describe it as a moat so even less than that i suppose and she starts like changing the chemistry of the drug that they gave her so that she can you know make it not poisonous which is part of what the right's supposed to do but then the current reverend mother who's on her way out of existence enters her consciousness and then shares all of her experience and life with Jessica to pass on because she's going to be the new Reverend Mother for this clan. And she, and Jessica suddenly gets the entire life of this now dying Reverend Mother and all the Reverend Mothers before her that went through the same trial. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a line of memories being fed directly into Jessica within a moment. She experiences... You know, in Eon, within a moment, she sees that the Fremen have come from a couple of different planets on their journey to ultimately end up at Arrakis, where they've been, you know, hunted and driven out from home and from home, blah, blah, blah. So that's supernatural. That's not some kind of science. But it's part of the religion that the Bene Gesserits implanted in these people, which we know is fake because they do it purposely knowing it's fake. It was a it's a plan? It... <laughs> Maybe there's something that I don't know yet. Maybe there's something that we're not supposed to know yet as the reader. Maybe we're supposed to be asking these questions but there's only a hundred and twenty something pages left in this book. And I don't understand how we get any sort of an answer that leads us to understand where this story goes. In regards to that. Is it real? Is it not real? Will we ever get that answer? Maybe we don't. And that's probably okay. And probably for the best, honestly. But it's just bizarre. It's bizarre to throw all these things at us. Without any consistency. In presentation. Without any consistency. In message. It's not just that I don't know. It's that I can't know. At this point. That's what's frustrating to me. It's sort of like a, it's like having a bag over your head, plugs in your ears and your nose. Somebody's guiding you not by hand, but by a rope that's tied around your waist. So you can't even, you know, try to, you know, if you had no senses and you were being led around some space and being told, and I guess maybe I'm also coming at this from a perspective of somebody that's not read this legendary, you know, franchise. I'm supposed to be enjoying this, right? <laughs> it's it's legendary. People love this series. It's getting a movie that has a lot of hype behind it. I'm supposed to be enjoying this, right? This is supposed to be good, right? I can't tell that it is yet. And it's uh, not because I'm incapable, I hope. But it's because it's literally impossible to know if it's good yet or what's going on. And that tells me that it's not good. Again, there's a little over five books left in this series. (laughs) So, who knows? Maybe I'm just tired of cult classic things. Maybe that's what it is. I didn't like... Well, not that I didn't like. That's the wrong way to say that. I didn't have the same level of appreciation for the King Killer Chronicle as that fan base does. I so far do not have the same appreciation for Dune as that fan base does. I don't really know how else to describe it. I don't know what else to really think about it. I guess I'm excited to continue reading. I guess I'm excited to finish this book at least and see if I can understand why people were ready for the next one whenever it was that it came out. I'm more excited for the movie than anything at this point, by a pretty long shot, to be honest. I guess I'm excited that Jessica isn't going to just be swept to the side like I maybe thought that she was going to last week. Uh, She's definitely being given a lot more to do now that she's also become God like Paul. (laughs) So that part's good at least because I think she's an interesting character. Paul, I don't really have too much feelings for as far as how interesting he is. Uh, I'm enjoying, for the most part, I'm enjoying going through the story with him. I think the insights that he has are interesting sometimes. It's a little cheapened by the fact that he now knows everything, um, or at least he knows the possibility of everything. might be the more accurate way to say that. So far, of all the characters that we've been with, Jessica's the only one that I find her, uh, in 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 which their character that itself is very interesting. Um, everybody else is going through interesting things, whereas I find her interesting. So I'm glad that she's being given a more prominent role and that she's going to, you know, at first I thought that she was going to end up, you know, just being a foil for Paul, but and now she is probably also going to continue to be a foil for Paul because Paul is pitting her, himself against her seeing in all his you know possibilities that he can see at this point that she is the one that instigates the jihad that he's trying to prevent but she's not just a foil for foil's sake in the way that the harkonnens are enemies for enemies sake she she has a character arc that we can see starting to form at this point and uh so i'm excited for that i guess to see how that plays out we're obviously not going to get off ericus by the end of this book Uh, which is for the best, I think. There's too much to see here. Too much of what is good about this book so far is the Fremen people on Eraqus. It would be a real shame to leave too quickly. It might be a shame to leave the planet at all during all six books, to be honest, but I don't know that yet. I think that some of the seeds that have been planted so far, like Thufir Havat, the Mentat that worked for... the the atreides but then was captured and now works for the harkonnens even though we haven't spoken to him as the reader yet since being captured so we can't you know just assume that he's now a total turncoat i think that the obvious answer is that he's just playing the part until the right time because the time that we have spent in his head we know him to be you know as loyal as anybody has ever been in any story right but that's a seed this planted you know he wholeheartedly believes that jessica was the the traitor at this point so what's that going to be all about um he obviously has a part to play with the harkonnens at some point will he be you know the linchpin in paul being successful at some point i think that's relatively obvious you know tropism and stories we've still got something to do with uh the one that he was fighting with in the first section of reading and also played you know, the, it's not a guitar. I can't remember what they call it. It's not a lute either. Ballisette. Uh What was his name? Anyways, that dude, he's with the Smugglers now. What does that mean? We've heard about the Smugglers again since that point through the perspective of the Harkonnens. I don't know if that was intentional or not to let us think like, oh, maybe that dude is there. Uh, but, you know, maybe not. So we still got to check back in with him at some point. You know, how does that play out? Duncan Idaho is dead. Uh, Kynes is dead. That's, you know, so those are all the characters that we've still got out there doing whatever things that they're doing that'll come back at some point. I don't know that I care about any of those seeds. You know, they seem pretty straightforward to me that Havat is going to assist Paul at the key moment in defeating the Harkonnens, um, that or be, you know, the mistaken force of killing Jessica which, you know, is, ends up being another catalyst probably after like book three or something. And, uh, Gurney Halleck, that was his name. I just paused and looked it up. I won't act like I just came up with that out of my mind. I, I had to look it up. Gurney Halleck probably, you know, swoops in to save the day at some point, you know, with the smuggler force. And that's how Paul and, you know, some band of freemen that he's with probably Shawnee because now they're an item or whatever, uh, bound by fate you know, swoops in with the smugglers to get them out of a hard spot against the Sauticar that we're probably going to have to believe are an elite force again at some point, even though I was talking about earlier, we know that Paul is at least two tiers above them. (laughs) I'm talking myself into being frustrated with the story again. Because the things that I can see coming suck. Uh, The things that I can't see coming are all the important things. Like what is even happening right now? Uh, What is even the point? What is the theme of religion in this universe? Is it real or is it not real? Why do these enemies exist aside from needing to have enemies? I I guess that's all that there is to that, right? But I don't really know. I, I, I don't know what to expect of any of this. I don't know if I like it yet. I'm engaged. I can say that at least, which is more than other things that I've read that I don't like. I am looking forward to knowing what else comes, you know, Whether I end up liking it or not, I think I'll be glad to have gone through it. This is one of those, you know, seminal stories. This is (laughs) Dune. You know, it's legendary. Everybody at least knows that it exists. And so that kind of stuff is important. I watch a lot of really bad stuff. I read a lot of really bad stuff. I play some bad games because I think that that informs your opinion on stuff. uh, And I think that's important. If you care to form opinions about things, if all you want to do is take in media and just enjoy it, then, you know, don't waste your time with bad stuff. That's okay. (laughs) Walk out of the movie whenever you want to walk out of the movie. But if it's important to you to form opinions about things and, you know, criticize things, not in a negative context, but, you know, to have critical thought about the media that it is you're taking in, then I think it's important to. Go through things you don't like and go through things that are objectively bad. Um, I'm sure that I've mentioned this on the show before in the past. This idea that I have. But if you experience bad things, then you know why the good things are good. And experience in general is the only way that you ever really learn anything as well. So what I mean to say at the end of all that (laughs) is that. It'll be good to have gone through this series. I hope that I end up actually liking it. You know, I hate to be so negative all the time. That's just who I am. It's just a terrible negative person. But I do hope that I like this by the end of it. At the very least, it's a journey worth taking, I believe. So we'll see where we end up at the end of it. This uh, next week, as I've already talked about, we're just finishing Dune. Finish Dune. The last book within Dune is called The Prophet. It's like 120 pages exactly almost on my Kindle edition, so nothing. I'll probably you know, I'll probably finish this tomorrow, maybe, and get the episode recorded just to get it done. <laughs> but this, this last section is going to be really easy. I'm assuming a ton of stuff happens. I'm assuming that we start moving very quickly. Because what else can you do when you've sectioned off, when the third section of your book is a third of what the first section was. It's just odd. Uh anyways. Finish up Dune. And then look for us to talk about the movie. I think that, you know, ideally, Jordan and I are gonna see the movie together and hopefully be able to leave the movie and record so that we can get Jordan back on for the movie and really talk about everything at that point. Um, you know, will finally be able to discuss with him my thoughts on everything. We can discuss how it is in relation to the movie. I'm thinking that might have Super Podcast Editor Ashley on for that as well. I, I did ask if she would like to go see the movie with us. She said, "Yeah," so maybe we'll be able to get her to come onto the show as well afterwards. The uh, you know, I'm just thinking about what you might be able to expect for the movie episode. Apologies of this episode. It doesn't sound as good as the past couple of episodes or the past you know dozen episodes really uh Ashley isn't editing this one uh, she's in the middle of a move transition and doesn't have all her equipment with her so I'm just going to handle it like I used to just to get it taken care of it probably isn't going to be as you know quite as good but hopefully I can keep it to a listenable level despite also only being me <laughs> <laughs> she has definitely made me being alone on this podcast sound way better than I have any right to. And uh, I'm going to take that away from y'all as a listener this week. Sorry. So see y'all next week with the end of Dune. Look forward to our coverage of the movie. I'm expecting that episode to be a lot of fun. That's it. You know where to find the rest of our stuff? Uh, at ears underscore stamps on Instagram and Twitter. Doggers and time at gmail.com. Doggies in timestamps on Facebook. All those things are relatively dead, but they're there. Uh, Anchor.fm slash ears dash stamps is the site where we host our podcast. You can find links to all the social media as well as all the podcast distribution services that Anchor distributes out towards. You can also just listen to it there directly. Uh, There are means of supporting us if you feel so inclined there. And, uh, tell your friends. Tell your friends we're covering Doom. Tell your friends that we're about to go on a hiatus as well. That'll be exciting and a good reason to start listening now. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll just see you all next time. I'm Will Hedrick. And this is Doggers and Timestamps. Go Strohs!